Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to welcome back to Deconstructing Disney here on Commented Podcast where we take a deep dive into the making, origin, and lasting impact of Disney films. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. And this week we'll be taking a look at the Disney film Peter Pan. Yay! Um, well, I guess, well, I don't know. Yay. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you once again for tuning into the Commented Podcast. Don't forget to uh, rate, review, and subscribe while you're here. Don't for- also don't forget to drink your water, wear your sunscreen, and wear a mask. We are still in the middle of the plague, and it doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon. Um, let's go ahead and get our um, first encounters with Peter Pan. Is this you guys' first time watching the original film, um, um, Marin? I think it is you know how you've seen something so much throughout your life you're not sure if you actually watched the film or not mm-hmm. i feel like it was had to have definitely been on tv at some point and i or it was played in school or something but i don't really remember i don't have any really big childhood memories around this film oh, okay what about you Corey? i feel like i know for a fact that i've never seen the movie in its entirety um, I know I've watched the uh, live action one from the 2000s like multiple times, uh-huh. but I and I also know for a fact that I've seen the opening sequence at least for the cartoon one like at least once or twice, but I've never seen the whole thing. Okay, what are you, Nia? I know for a fact I saw this movie when I was a kid, like young, young, mm-hmm. but I it's been years, so I don't remember. I didn't remember like 90% of this movie. Mm, same, I think. You? That a lot of my impressions of early Disney films are of their sequels. So when I watch the originals, I'm like, something's missing. And I don't know what it is. And that's because it's I'm remembering that I've watched the sequel more than um, the original. But I'm pretty sure I watched the original at least once in my lifetime. Um, but yeah, so we're let's just go ahead and start recapping. Disney's 14th animated film released in 1953. Uh... Peter Pan. So, the, we are in racist London era. Uh, <laughs> the 1900s of London. We are at the Darling family. Uh, and the Darling family, the parents are getting ready to go out. Pops is very upset that he cannot find his cufflinks. Mom's trying to calm him down. They're trying to attend this party. And so we pan over to the kids' room where the sons, John and Michael, are... We, we get a narration about how the mother has been telling her kids about Peter Pan and how the kids are really kind of obsessed with this mythical figure that I have never really heard been used as a bedtime story. But apparently that was something that was used as a bedtime story in the 1900s, or at least ere this movie. And so John and Michael are, are um, fighting each other as Hook and Peter or um, pirates of some sort. And their eldest sister, Wendy, um, is on her firstborn girl duties as she gets them prepared for the night. They have a dog named Nana, who is their nursemaid. Um, so this is this whole sequence of the boys. Uh, you kind of just get to see how this family dynamic works. Dad is very upset he can't find his cufflinks. They go into this really comedic bit where he continues to knock over these blocks that Nana, the dog, is stacking back up. As <clears throat> and um, he gets very upset with the kids because he believes that they um that uh well they're just kind of in his way. They've taken his like 
a piece of his tux and turned it into a map and they're using his cufflinks as treasure so he's just upset he got places to be and the kids are not cooperating with him and so he declares that wendy has gotten too old to continue to stay in the nursery with the boys because she's keen to use to tell them stories about peter pan and he says this is the last night you'll be in the nursery um the boys finally give their dad his cufflinks and as they're leaving the house wendy tells her mother that she has peter pan's shadow now for a child with overactive imagination her mom was like okay so as they're leaving the house she tells this to the dad and he like completely minimizes the fact that his wife was like she says she has peter pan's shadow what if she saw somebody creeping through the window? He's just like, ha, 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 I'm so terrified, Peter Pan. And I'm like, uh, Pops, I'm going to need you to have a little bit more um, discrepancy with your attitude. Your wife, would look, she looks, a little, mom was a little concerned. She was like, I don't, she's like, I know, she, like, it's like mom knows her children well, so she knows the, the limit of their um, imaginations or what they would say. And she's like, for her to say she has Peter Pan's shadow, it's kind of a little unsettling. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Cause she could be saying that she saw somebody's shadow in their window, which is creepy, creepy. And you're leaving your kids at home and you lock the dog in the backyard. That is not smart. Okay. So then as soon as the parents leave, Peter Pan and Tink break into their house, a break into the window, looking for Peter Pan's shadow, um, which is locked in a drawer. He opens the door. Peter opens the drawer. He tries to stick his shadow back on with soap. Wendy wakes up. She is not terrified at all to see this 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 boy in her home at all. Like at all. I'm just sitting here like, okay, is this white people's lack of survival <laughs> skills going on here? Because I would have been screaming. Um, she's like, oh silly, you can't stick um your your shadow back on with soap and. One of the first things that comes out of his mouth is that girls talk too much. I was like, okay, charm lost. Charm right? lost. I said, <laughs> I oh, it's off to a bad start. <laughs> We're off to a bad foot. Um, that set the whole tone for this movie for me. Cause and even after that, when she tries to say her full name, he's like, Wendy's enough. I was like, bitch, you broke into my house and I'm helping you sew on your shadow. And you want to talk cut me off one more time. Cut me off one more time. Um, but I also had, I don't know why I had this, for di- most Disney animation characters, I feel like the boys are usually pleasing to look at, and I don't know what it was about scruffy-ass Peter Pan in the 1950s, but he was not cute. And I was he like, was very ugly. Yeah. Very yeah. ugly. It and reminded was, me of the kid in Toy Story that burned the holes on the yes, toys. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly who he looks like. And he was given that kind of attitude, too. And I was like, and then I, I actually like skimmed through the second film, and I was like, oh, it's because I'm so used to the second animated version of him, which is much cuter. But the 1950s was giving scruffy street kid, and I'm like, this is not cute, especially when we get to how the 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 female characters are painted in the story right so um she says to peter that she's gonna grow up tomorrow because she's not gonna be in the nursery anymore he's like oh my god you won't be able to tell stories about me narcissist um (laughs) let's take you to neverland and i was like oh this is weird she's like well i can't go i have to pack and then the boys wake up they're like oh my god it's peter pan they're not shocked to see him either and so um, she's like, Wendy's like, oh, my God, I'm so happy I could give you a kiss. And he's like, what's a kiss? She tries to kiss him. And then Tinkerbell, 
breaks out of this drawer and pulls her hair and i'm like the violence the woman on women violence in this movie is so unpleasant i was like off the back and so that happens and he's like i don't know what's got into tink and so he's like well let's all go. she's like well i can't just leave the boys here so he's like let's all go to neverland they try to fly they can't fly he tries to tell them how to fly he doesn't realize it and then that's when they sprinkle the kids with pixie dust and off we go flying into the london sky um and to get to Neverland, you follow the second star on the right and follow it till morning. Those are awful directions because morning <laughs> is not a lot about a time. To, to, um, so we get to Neverland. This is where we get to see our antagonists, Captain Hook and Mr. Shmee. Um, um, Captain Hook and Mr. Shmee are captain's mad because he's trying to figure out where peter pan hides out because he wants to take revenge on pan after he fed his hand to a crocodile and this is where the kind of morbid like darkness of this film is just kind of glossed over you're telling me this kid cut off this man's hand and then fed it to a crocodile and now the crocodile is stalking him to eat him i was just like this i know this is like supposed to be magical fanatical but i was like i wouldn't trust peter with my penny my left toe like what why are we anyway so we get to see some comic relief from the pirates the kids get to neverland they're on top of a cloud looking at um down at neverland there's like oh there's mermaid lagoon and oh that's where the aboriginals live and oh that's where the indians live and i was like this is <laughs> i had like this very big foreboding the minute they mentioned indians and i was like this is yes. not <laughs> gonna, i was like oh this is gonna get rough <laughs> this is very gonna get bad and if you look at the map that hook has on the aboriginals are actually dark-skinned people and i'm like i'm glad they didn't show up in the film because that would have been twice <laughs> twice the racism that we just didn't need and so they're on these clouds and hook sees them and so then the the pirates start shooting cannons at um Peter Pan and the kids and Pan tells Tink take the kids back to the hideout while I you know draw fire and Tink and flies too fast she gets to the hideout she tells the lost boys that orders from Peter Pan is to shoot Wendy out of the sky and I was like she could die but okay they (laughs) I was like oh we're we're going dark we're going murder like what right and And it's only 20 minutes in Right, we're 20 minutes in, and so we get to this part of the movie um, where, you know, Wendy flies close to the hideout, the lost boys shoot at her, she almost falls to her death, Peter Pan saves her, and the boys are like, hey, Pan, we did what you ordered us to tell us, and he's like, no, you nimkapoops, I didn't want you to, I didn't tell you to do that, and he's like, well, Tinkerbell told us that you wanted us to shoot Wendy out of the sky, and he's like, Tink, why would you do that, she could have died, and then Wendy uh, then takes like I know I was trying to kill her I was like what <laughs> what is going on I know in most mystical creature worlds like the basis for pixies and fairies is that they're not nice people so I was not really caught off by Tink doing that but it's also we'll get to like more analyzing the film later but so that happens and Peter Pan's like Tinkerbell you- that's high treason you've been banned forever and Wendy's like oh no don't ban her forever homegirl she just tried to kill you <laughs> like murder you and she just that's attempted murder <laughs> and she was like 
he was like, all right, I'll ban her, ban her for a week. And so then the crew splits up. The Lost Boys um, and Michael and John go to see the Indians, the Native Americans. And Peter takes Wendy to go see the mermaids. And so the boys are off to see the Native Americans. And they sing the only song that I actually remember from Peter Pan. And so they are like... Um, they're like we're going to we're going to surround them and capture them because they're not smart and they get surrounded and captured um and the, the minute <laughs> i saw the depiction of what the native americans looked like i said bet you two cents that tiger lily who hook mentioned in earlier in the film as the the princess of the tribe i bet she looks like a normal person and lo and behold she did but all of the men yeah, as soon as i saw them i kind of was like oh this is why the movie had the warning in the beginning mm-hmm. right and so the men are all depicted to have kind of non-human like features compared to all of the white people in the film and so um they get basically caught by the native americans they get tied up and then they're and then the Lost Boys are like, oh, this is a game we play all the time. We catch them, we let them loose. They catch us, they let us loose. But the chief goes, no, Tiger Lily's been kidnapped. And if she's not back by nightfall, we're burning you at the stake. And I was like, okay, then. And so then we hop on over to Mermaid Lagoon, where um, Peter is introducing the mermaids to Wendy. And they see Peter, and they're just fawning over him. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Um, they're fawning over him. And he, they're like, tell us a story, Peter. Tell us a story, Peter. And then when Wendy finally gets close to the mermaids, they're like, who is she? And they start pulling at her clothes and splashing her with water. And she picks up a conscious shell to like defend herself because any second she's going to fall into these ocean with these mermaids. And Peter goes, oh, Wendy, don't do that. They were just playing. Yeah, we were just trying to drown her. What? <laughs> murder. They said it so casually too, like, oh, like it's just Tuesday. Like, come on. I was flabbergasted. I was. Uh, oh, we'll analyze later. Let's continue. And so, after as they they have this little tip with the mermaids, and then Peter hears something, and it's Hook and Shmi, and they kidnap Tiger Lily, and Tiger Lily's on his boat, and they're taken to Skull Island. They follow Hook to Skull Island and we they overhear Hook trying to get Tiger Lily to tell them where Peter Pan is. Tiger Lily's like, uh-uh, she's a ride or die, friends for life, ain't telling you schmack jackety jack. And I was like, okay. Um, but she's depicted as looking as a normal person. She's drawn just like the other white people. Um and so he's like, they've tied her anchor around her. He's like, if you don't tell when the tide comes and you're gonna drown. And so Peter basically starts to play tricks um on Shmi and he mimics well first he mimics the sound of a sea god to try to scare them then he mimics the sound of Hook to get Shmi to let Tiger Lily go um Captain Hook figures that out they fight Tiger Lily almost drowns while they have their stupid little fight but um Peter Pan basically saves Tiger Lily and brings her back to her tribe at her tribe they celebrate they're happy and this is when (laughs) the stupidest song in the world comes on um they basically honor peter by calling him little flying eagle and giving him a chief headdress and 
the kids are asking, you know, why are the red men red, as in redskins, which is a slur um, for Native Americans. And uh, this is really awful song about how their their skin is red because they kissed the first um, Native American prince kissed a girl. And I was like, who <laughs> who wrote that? Um, but they have this whole thing. Uh, Wendy gets jealous of Tiger Lily and Peter dancing or whatever and then they head back after the party's over they head back to the Lost Boys hideout because um, they had banned Tink um, Hook and Shmee Hook has Shmee kidnap Tinkerbell because Hook knows that he can manipulate a jealous woman and so he basically manipulates um Tinkerbell by telling her, yeah, we'll kill Wendy for you, basically. Just tell us where Peter Pan is hiding out. And she does. <laughs> and so the pirates go to find the hideout. They overhear Wendy singing about a mother and what a mother does. She's telling the boys a story. She's telling she's telling them because she wants John and William to know that they have to go home tomorrow. And so that happens. The kids leave. They get caught by the pirates on their way out. And Hook leaves a packaged bomb, like a terrorist, <laughs> to Peter in his hideout and takes the Lost Boys, Wendy and the brothers, back to his ship. There, he tries to get the Lost Boys, Wendy and the brothers, to sign up to be a part of Hook's crew. And they almost do it because they don't want to walk the plank. And she's like, no, we're not doing that. We'll just walk the plank instead of, you know, signing this contract. And I was like, um, all right. Um, right before, right as, or right before Peter opens the box, Tink breaks out, warns him, the box still gets, he, the hideout still gets blown up, but Tink and Peter survive, as we see when Wendy is forced to walk the plank, but she doesn't hit the water because Peter Pan saves her, and so the pirates are like, oh my god, our ship is cursed, and so basically Peter comes and saves everybody, they fight, the kids get to, like, up high safety in, like, the rafters of the ship, um, and Hook and Peter finally have their last little duel. Peter promises he won't fly away. And Wendy's like, you dumbass, fly away. He's like, no, I'm a man of my word. And I'm like, oh, this is stupid. But Peter wins. Hook gets thrown to the water. It gets almost eaten by a crocodile. They take um, um, the boys, the lost boys go back to Neverland. The darling kids are taken back to London at their home. Um, and when their parents get home, Mary looks out the window and sees the flying ship and George also sees the flying ship and he kind of softens up, um, when he says, oh, well, I almost recognize that ship. I recognize that ship too. And so that is the end of Peter Pan. Mm. Good God. (laughs) How did we feel when the movie ended? Um, Nia, how did you feel? angry tired exhausted i feel like i wasted my time this movie was like the the warning label to me for this one is not enough they need three warnings because the level of racism and and, and misogyny and like like but almost like murdering children like it's very strange how significantly more violent this one is compared to the other disney movies a bomb a bomb like (laughs) the hook literally killed one of his crewman with a gun mm-hmm. like we're, we're we're what what what's what's going on and then the racism the pure the the, the the racism that's just like it's it's 
it's beyond stereotype it's like this is just demonizing <laughs> this is like yeah it's like, it's really oh, bad wow it's horrific i for me i <laughs> honestly when i was watching this i was skip watching because i was like i don't uh. want to force myself to watch this this is not good i skip watch to like the main parts but through the songs i was like well the the what makes the red man red i was like ew get me out of here get me <laughs> yeah. out of here no. yeah yeah what about you Corey? what was your feeling once the movie ended I don't think I felt anything because I was still reeling from the amount of racism. Like, I was <laughs> yeah. just in genuine shock because, like I said, the only memories I really have of this movie is, like, the opening sequence at the house and then, mm-hmm. like, the live action, which I loved a lot. So, like, seeing this version was just, like, I can't believe this, like, actually came out. Like, this was an actual thing. So. Okay. What about you, Mary? Um... Yeah, I was at work and getting notes and watching movies at the same time, so I was half watching it. But I also was, expe- since I'd done the research before, I was expecting mm-hmm. the racist scenes to pop up. Yeah. But when the movie ended, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it just, I don't, I don't get it. I'm, I think I understand why a lot of people don't talk about Peter Pan now. Like when people, when you ask somebody what their favorite Disney movie is, this is another one I would add to my list. If you tell me Peter Pan, we can't be friends. We can't. Like I can't continue to talk to you. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, it was like bad on a on a different level, and we'll get to that later. But um, let's go ahead and jump into interesting production facts. So this movie was released in 1953. It was actually in production, I think before the war so it had been in disney's hands for a long time and didn't get released later due to money and war and stuff like that Catherine beaumont who plays wendy also plays the voice of alice in alice in wonderland heather engel who's a british actress plays wendy's mom and alice's sister in alice in wonderland and then norman ferguson the dog plays um nana and also model for pluto so that was really cool um I got my um, facts from Disney Addicts article by Sarah, the Disneyfilms.com, a screenwriting article by Zach Grass, and then Jackley Animation on YouTube. So J.M. Barry is um, the original writer of the play of Peter Pan. He and he famously left the rights for the movie to the Great Ormond um, Street Hospital when he died in 1939. Disney made a deal with the hospital and gained exclusive animation rights after outbidding another studio. Um, Roy and Walt Disney argued about the cost of Peter Pan. Luckily, the movie grossed over $40 million. Um, in its initial theatrical run, it grossed $6 million, distributed um, in distributed rentals from the United States and Canada. The movie has earned a lifetime domestic gross of $87.4 million, and you adjust that for inflation, and that's $427.5 million in its lifetime. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So in the original play, Peter Pan did not wear brown. Um, did not wear green. Green was Disney's um innovation. Um, but he used to wear like auburns, tans, and browns, and like those type of colors. Walt Disney actually saw, um, what Disney actually got to play Peter in a school play when he was a boy. So he had this is one of his other films that he was really personally involved in, like besides Fantasia. Um, Nana was actually supposed to go with the kids to Neverland in the like one of the first renditions of the script but she never did um 
Peter Pan was supposed to be the second Disney animated film, but it got delayed due to rights. Uh, some of the original plots of Peter Pan are very similar to a lot of dark fantasy tales. So one in clot, one in clot, ugh, one plot um, included Peter Pan actually kidnapping Wendy against her Ooh. will and then coming back for her brothers. Another included a more murderous pirates and a crueler Captain Hook. Um, the strangest one was probably that they were going to tell the entire story from Nana's point of view, which is weird. Um, Disney's version of Peter Pan is actually the first time a male actor has ever played Peter on screen. The role was usually reserved for women. I thought that was really interesting. Um, Hmm. this is also the first time Tinkerbell has been anything more than a ball of light. So in the original play in the books and stuff, she's just a ball of light that actually makes sounds. But in Disney's rendition, they gave her like a, you know, like a human-esque form, humanoid form. Um, her sounds were made, for, created from p- pieces of aluminum. I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, something else I also didn't realize is that um, Tinkerbell plays an important role in Disney media. She's in the opening of all the Disney films over the magic castle, that's Tink that sprays the dust. So I didn't realize that. Um, Fairy dust was actually added later for health and safety reasons. Originally, Peter and the Lost Boys could fly unaided, but um, after several reports of children injuring themselves, attempting to fly from their beds, J.M. Mm-hmm. Barry, the original <laughs> actor, added Fairy dust. It's unnecessary. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, the poor children. Like... Wow. But yeah, I'm not surprised because I mean, during that time, if you didn't have a lot of stories and you're just like, they can fly, I can fly, I want to be a lost boy, and boys would probably do that. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm glad they did add the fairy dust, though. It's like, you can't fly without fairy dust, you don't have that, so let's not do that. Um, the crocodile in the original play was only heard and never seen, so the animated. Um, version of it allowed the crocodile to have more screen time. Another major change is that in the original story, it's Never Neverland, but they changed it to Neverland, which is like a very good um, promotional tactic because I'm not saying Never Neverland. <laughs> I think it would have naturally became Neverland if they even made it Never Neverland. Or we would all be having, what is what is that? The Mandela effect later being like, it was Never Neverland. <laughs> um but probably one of the most monumental changes is that um in the disney made version peter doesn't ask the audience to clap their hands if they believe in fairies so like in the play it's um that's a crucial part of the play is that peter like talks to the audience and also if you realized it while you were watching the voice actor who plays the dad also plays hook which is a tradition that is kept in the play as well. So if you got cast to play Mr. Darling, you were also playing Hook as part of like this whole symbolism about childhood and fantasies and stuff like that. Um, the movie entered the 1953's Canas Film Festival. Um, there is now a Peter Pan theme attracting in five Disney theme parks across the world. The original version opened in Disneyland in 1955. There's also one in Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, one in Disneyland Paris, and one in Tokyo Disneyland, and one in Shanghai Disneyland. The ride is very popular. The wait times end up actually being over 40 minutes from the time the park opens in the morning. So yeah, there were some fun facts I found out. There wasn't actually a lot of fun facts. A lot of the facts actually were like about the play and how Disney um, tapped in more to the play than they did the original book, which Marin will talk about in her next segment. But yeah, there wasn't a lot of background um, like 
gossip because that's what i like to read but there wasn't a lot (laughs) there wasn't a lot i think it's because it took so long for this movie to come out due to the war and stuff like that um of course they did they were sticking to disney animation tactics all nine old men worked on this film um it's very obvious uh right it's very obvious um they had the actors reacted in live action which is like a now tradition for disney films at this point in time and tinkerbell was modeled after the person who live action for them and so there's nothing really different from we've we've got the disney formula now so that'll be something that i'll probably um not really talk about and interesting facts coming up so Yes. A lot of people actually thought that Tinkerbell was based off of Marilyn Monroe, but she's not. She's based off the actress who um, modeled for them at Disney Studios. So, yes. Uh, Nia, want to take it away with music? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, my part is actually kind of small because, unsurprising, the music from this movie has not Garbage. really... Garbage. anything, <laughs> right? It's not... Even the songs that are not as racist, they haven't um, had as much lasting impact as other more famous Disney soundtracks are. Um, so this, there are nine songs on this soundtrack. Um, of course, for like the older original ones, they have varying track listings, but the official says nine. Um, Oliver Wallace and Sammy Fain, common names that worked for Disney at the time, um, they came back to write and compose these songs. They had actually, they had used some of these songs from Alice, and that's like how these movies were connected, because some of the songs from Alice didn't make it on Alice, made it to this. One of those being the second star from the right, and it was supposed Mm. to be titled Beyond the Laughing Sky, but it was scrapped for Alice and moved to this, um, which is the title song. Um, Sammy Khan, who was a famous Broadway producer, wrote several songs as well. He's known for co-writing Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. So he was definitely very wealthy at the time. Mm. Um, but the the soundtrack mainly, it's just, it's very, the songs, I mean, the ones, it's just the fact that there are the racist song, What Makes the Red Man Red, is just so racist. It's, it. I don't even know why they still managed to keep it on this official soundtrack. I get that blocking out history is a bad thing because you need to make sure people know what the past is like. But honestly, it's like, it's just a terrible song. Just there's not a redeeming quality about it. I would recommend to not listen to it ever. I would say just listen. It's a part of, if you're a historian or something, listen to it for research purposes but i hope that no disney fans are out here standing this song because it's <laughs> truly God, please terrible no. <laughs> right okay and so Catherine Beaumont, like Tori said, uh, who voiced Alice, uh, voices Wendy in this. And so she's older a bit. And so her voice is more stable and mature. So she sounds good here. Um, there was that one song she sang about mothers. I was like, okay, she's singing on this. Okay. Um, then uh, Never Smile at a Crocodile was a song that was originally cut from the soundtrack, but was added later um, on like a re-release version of the soundtrack, I believe in the 90s. I listened to it. Mm, average but like most of the songs on the soundtrack they're average this one's especially (laughs) forgettable and average (laughs) I mean it has a lot of views on YouTube though so I'm like maybe I'm just not getting something but um yeah to me it's average um most of the songs here to me are not very 
memorable. The second star to the right to me is not a bad melody. It's just that in comparison to Disney's high peaks in terms of songs, I think it has a hard time standing up to something like a dream is a wish your heart makes or when you wish upon a star. And that's not necessarily this song's fault. I, cause it's not its fault that like those songs were so big, but Mm -hmm. even for the time people weren't um, writing about how great the soundtrack was because I was having such a hard time finding little to any information about reception that people had at the time about the songs. Um, Mm. And it could have been the residual like, dis like disdain not disdain i would say displeasure about how the songs in alice were handled because some people were like well the songs just don't stick out on that movie some people liked it i mean it could have been mixed reception that carried over but that's just my speculation it's not fact um there uh only mainly the racism that's attached to this movie has surpassed any positive connotations of music or something that people fondly think of when they think of this movie honestly right um, i was looking as well many of these songs don't even get referenced in media unless they're for critique um and the, what makes the red man red actually gets used to get cut out and i think it still does if it's aired on cable um <laughs> as so, it should right <laughs> exactly you know what that's really interesting because i don't ever remember seeing the scene as a kid Same. and it's probably because i always saw the movie on television right that's, and that's insane right and like i mean i think that's good but like the fact that like it's a kind of crazy that that's even like that's it's crazy that they even thought to write it like it's ah it's insane <laughs> yeah. um the main thing i saw was a lakota tribe rapper named frank walm sampled this song in his own song that he talks about um racism and the legacy of genocide and colonization mm-hmm. i think definitely support indigenous um people in their art and their work um because many native american people have written pieces on why this this portrayal of native americans through the what makes the red man red is very problematic Mm -hmm. and has lasting effects um because bad these this type of language and representation truly has a trickle down effect um but overall, very little information about how what people thought about the soundtrack. So I don't know if people at the time actually liked these songs. Mm-hmm. Nothing was nominated for an award. <laughs> like literally nothing. Not even a nomination. Usually Disney movies, even for average songs, would get nominated. This, nothing. Um, and it's not on any greatest songs of the de- the century lists. Not on any lists. So it's, I guess that in in retrospect, people just kind of forgotten about this soundtrack. And I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. Can you give me your choices real quick? Yeah, yeah. My bad. I got this from IMDb. Um, I got this from the Peter Pan w- Wikipedia. I got this from a archived article on WordPress and another IMDb trivia page. All right. Thank you. Let's go over to Origins of the Original Story with Marion. Okay. So my sources are theweek.com, Morbid Origins of Peter Pan, blackpoolgrand.com, Real Story of Peter Pan, and screenrand.com, Peter Pan Differences Between Disney Movie and the Original Fairy Tale. Okay. So as mentioned er- earlier, the author of the original Peter Pan is J.M. Barry. 
Um, Peter Pan was first introduced in the book, The Little White Bird. And from what my understanding, this whole book is not the story of Peter Pan. I think it's a book of like tales. And one of the chapters is about Peter Pan. And it was one of his most uh, popular stories in the book. And basically, in this story, um, the narrator befriends a boy named David by by pretending to have lost a son. He makes up the story um, to gain sympathy from David's family. This was supposed to be based on George Luland Davies, a boy that Barry actually befriended. Um, in the book, the narrator makes up Peter Pan, a magical boy who at a week old basically leaves his home thinking that he'll always be able to return, goes out and plays with the fairies and such, only to return um, still still a week old to see his mother holding another baby. And basically he sees that his mother's love is conditional and that um, she like no longer wants him or needs him. Um, from this, he created the play Peter Pan, which he also turned into a novel, Peter Pan and Wendy. The play is where we see the introductions of Captain Hook, Wendy and Tinkerbell. And the original Peter Pan in the original, Peter Pan was a darker character who would kidnap kids from their beds. There are some little things of where people are unsure as to where, where, as to if Barry, like, he befriended little kids, these little kids in a park, and basically got so involved in their life that he became Uncle Jimmy. And people in his life um, said that he didn't have, like, any didn't do anything sexual with these boys but there are there is a letter he wrote to one of the boys basically saying like he said he couldn't be there for his birthday he wished he was there to see him try on this clothing um please don't tell anybody about our secret or please don't tell anybody about this uh wait a second but the thing is other people in his life and even one of the kids said he's innocent and like what he never had anything sexual with anybody like men his wife there was there's no i mean this letter is pretty damning but <laughs> You know, yes. Oh, and, well, kids can be groomed, and even as yes, adults, true. they yeah. like don't know how to process trauma. Yeah, true. And um, when the kid's parents died, in the letter that she wrote a letter or something in which she asked for her their nanny and her sister to take care of them, but he changed it and wrote his name Jimmy, so that he was taking care of the kids. And so, they were still defending. Oh, no, I, yeah, I, I'm over here like that letter by itself was enough. But <laughs> if you re- if you read it, there's like all the posts always talk about how people said he didn't do anything, and some people are like, "But this letter exists," and he lied. Isn't this like the second it. original writer that was kind of a pedophile yep. that we've talked about? Put- the, that's unsettling that they yeah very unsettling especially the f- <laughs> fact that he got to take care of the kids yeah what was the other one who was that for um he wrote alice no, no, but okay. i don't remember his oh, name oh alice, alice alice yeah 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 that one that one i was mm-hmm. gonna say i remember it was literally like the last disney movie we did yeah. 
Yeah, um, this is unsettling, and why does Disney keep picking these projects? Okay, <laughs> continue. I'm and, sorry. Um, <laughs> some differences between the book and the Disney movie. Tinkerbell in the book could only really display one anger, which was emotion. I mean, not emotion. <laughs> Whoa, did I switch that around? <laughs> yes. She could only display one emotion that was anger. <laughs> Jesus. Um, she wasn't a very likable character in the original story. Um, we don't instead like her of a, either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, instead of a bomb being sent to Peter Pan that Tinkerbell saves him from, Tinkerbell drinks poison to save uh, Peter Pan. Mm, in wow. the book, uh, Hook is um, explicitly eaten by. Well, I just read. I I think it's a crocodile, but in the movie, mm-hmm. he kind of just swims away from the crocodile. Mm-hmm. Um, Miss Darling adopts all of the lost boys in the book. And in the book, Peter Pan returns to Wendy for a couple of years to take her to Neverland. He stops for a while, and when he goes back, he sees that she has grown up, but she has a daughter. And instead, he takes her to uh, Neverland, and he continuously continues to do that. Uh, continuously does this with um, all of Wendy's descendants. Yeah, that's the second and... movie. I skipped okay. through that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that happens in that book. Okay, let's go over to uh, variations with uh, Corey. Okay, so similar to the past couple of Disney movies that we've done, this is surprisingly an original work. Uh, so there's not any variations of the story predating uh, Jam Barry's work. However, there have been like a lot of retellings of this story through books, TV shows, media. It gets referenced quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So today I'm just going to talk about two different retellings in modern times. So the first one is called Peter and the Star Catchers. It's a children's book by Dave Barry and Ridley Pearson. Uh, the synopsis I'm about to give is provided by johnsoncountylibrary.org. So when the headmaster of St. Norbert's home for wayward board boys puts peter and his mates on board a ship called the neverland the orphans expect bad food seasickness and hard labor they never anticipate meeting molly a young star catcher or battling pirates in an effort to protect the magical star stuff from the wrong people a vicious foul smelling pirate called black stash his crew of savages and a greedy ship's captain all vie for a trunk filled with powerful star magic Meanwhile, Peter helps Molly and her father retrieve the trunk with the aid of purpose uh, star catchers, mermaids, and a flying crocodile named Mr. Grin. This Peter flying. Pan, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a flying crocodile this time. Is that a dragon? Of- Isn't that just a dragon? <laughs> I, you would think so, but they still decided to call it a crocodile. But yeah, that is that story is basically like a prequel uh. to Peter Pan and explains how. Uh, Peter's contact with all the star dust and fairy dust changes his life forever. Now, the second book I'm going to talk about, after reading the synopsis and like seeing the movie, I don't know how I feel about it because I didn't, I like, I feel like I need to read this to see if it's like problematic. Mm. But <laughs> this book got very high ratings. So maybe it is good, or maybe it's just like teenage girls who are like, oh my God, Peter Fan is so high in this book or whatever. Mm. But it's like a romance so tiger lily by jody lynn anderson um this synopsis is from goodreads.com 
So 15-year-old Tiger Lily doesn't believe in love stories or happy endings. Then she meets the alluring teenager Peter Pan in the Forbidden Woods of Neverland and immediately falls under his bow. Peter is unlike anyone she's ever known, impetus and brave. He both scares and enthralls her. As a leader of the Lost Boys, the most fearsome of the Neverland inhabitants, Peter is an unthinkable match for Tiger Lily. Soon she is risking everything, her family, her future, to be with him. When she is faced with marriage to a terrible man in her own tribe, she must choose between the life she's always known and running away to an uncertain future with Peter. With enemies threatening to tear them apart, the lovers seem doomed, but it's the arrival of Wendy Darling, an English girl whose everything Tiger Lily is not, that leads Tiger Lily to discover that the most dangerous enemies can live inside even the most loyal and loving heart. So it's like a love triangle type Mm. thing with Wendy and Tiger Lily, which is kind of like, I don't know. It's it, it, that that plot reminds me of the whitewashed Disney version of Pocahontas. That's right. what I was. Thinking I was of just too. about to say it's giving Pocahontas. It's it's giving white savior. It's giving you know. Yeah, because I was like, she's running away from her tribe to be with a white man, uh, and then like we already know how racist the movie was. So I don't know how I feel about this, but hey, yeah, let's let's go ahead and analyze this movie. I had to. I actually kind of watched it a second time while we were getting prepared for this episode because I had to write down my thoughts. I had so many thoughts. There was just... (laughs) Okay, let's start from the beginning of the movie. The actress who plays Wendy does a great job singing. She sounds entirely too old to be a child. That's what threw me off the first time when I started watching this. I was like, why does her voice sound so mature compared to, like, um, John and William and the Lost Boys and even Peter? And I was just like, that's... A little weird for me i don't know why they did that um i had to google what the fuck a bilge rat was because <laughs> when his dad stopped john william in his tracks he's like we don't say that so a bilge i think is like a part of the ship and so, so calling somebody a bilge rat it's a rat that lives in the worst place of the ship namely the bilge the bilge is the lowest level of the ship and loaded with ballast and often foul smelling water and muck so he just called him a filthy rat. <laughs> oh God! And British speak. Um, we talked about dad minimizing mom's worry about her daughter having Peter's shadow. I was like, that right there was a red flag for me because I was just like, why aren't we having this conversation seriously? I know you got to go to this party pops, but I'm gonna need you to backtrack a few steps. And can we just like discuss that? What if she saw somebody? Like, that is dangerous. And then you locked Nana in the backyard, your giant dog who protects the children. I was like, no. Um, yeah. The There is something incredibly anti-women about <laughs> this entire movie. <laughs> he started off with saying women speak too much, so... <laughs> too much. I was like, you buck tooth. <laughs> you buck tooth. <laughs> You what are you what what even what even and so like the immediate the immediate um emotion of pitting Tinkerbell and Wendy against each other being jealous over fucking Peter Pan over oh, Peter <laughs> I was like what is this man ain't got the juice so I don't understand <laughs> why Anytime any of the women had contact with each other, besides the contact between Wendy and her mother, is out of jealousy. Wendy and Tink, mm-hmm. Wendy and the mermaids, Wendy and Tiger Lily. It was like, what was the actual, why was that 
important to the story. It was just like, this is the type of story that I don't think girls would actually enjoy watching. It's a type of story that I think was completely geared toward boys. It was written by men who were like, in their like, I don't know. There's something about that um, whole when I was reading the like origin story or what mm-hmm. of Peter Pan, they talked about how um, during the time that Peter Pan the story got popular, they were worried that boys were getting soft, and so they liked the story because it showed that boys can be boys and that they're reckless. Ah, that phrase. The patriarchy is strong. Um. I don't understand why they would worry about boys being soft. This came out after World War II. Right? When a bunch of men had just died. What? Oh my god. So you're telling... And you know what? In mm-hmm. the, that explanation, Marion kind of like goes into the fact that Peter Pan was very average looking. He, <laughs> the only important thing about him was that he could fly. Um, mm-hmm. But all of these girls are fawning over him and it was just like, see meteorocracy is you know white meteorocracy is where it's at basically was the thing i was giving and there's something so narcissistic about peter that it gives me middle schoolers like you know yep you're hitting all the points that i read (laughs) one of the points about peter was that he was so in the original story also i'm because you said that disney used the play a lot right to write this Mm -hmm. movie okay Mm -hmm. yeah in the original story one of the things about peter was the fact that his childfulness like he cared about nobody but himself because right. that is kind like that was kind of what children were like that's what he thought like they it was about their happiness their entertainment and that's really interesting for an adult to write a story like that because that's what you think childhood and innocence is right you think that childhood and innocence is the lack of others and only the 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 constant thought of self but children are very in tune to what other people think about them. They're very in tune to other people's feelings. And unless you're in an environment where narcissistic traits are like heightened or that's the only type of parenting or um, authority you come in contact with, kids don't act like that. And so I get that there's like, like that whole, I actually um, skimmed through an article on Vox that was talking about how easy it is to turn Peter into a villain. And I was like, yeah, did you see that shadow light thing that they gave him when he enters the film? Oh, yeah. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's so easy to turn him into a villain. And so that was just like, it's, it's, I don't under, ugh, this I don't. is like random, but did anybody else get, this is like related to this point, mm-hmm. like just throwing this out there. Did anybody else get the vibe that if they were to do the villain thing, that Peter is like taking kids and keeping them hostage at Neverland and that's who the lost boys are. Cause remember when yeah. he was explaining to her little brother, like we have to get home to mom. You haven't forgotten our mom. Right. And he's like, does she have a fur coat? And he's like, no, our mom and the other boys didn't remember who their moms were. I was like, is Peter kidnapping children and they forget the longer they stay what is the name of the show the abc show about the fairy tales storybook is that is that talking about um once upon a time yes (laughs) fucking peter pan is rumple stills against daddy i was like (laughs) that tells you how evil of a character peter can be so like there's that and then we can't skip the the complete dehumanization of native american people because like oh 
when I saw all the depictions of the younger women to be normal people, I was like, it's giving fetishization. It's giving, like, that's such a choice to make. To make all of the men dehumanized, you know, versions of humans. Mm -hmm. And then older women are also because they're not attractive. But the only people who look like humans or are akin to how the white characters are drawn in this film are young women. That was very... Well, this is... Ugh, it's just so bad. It's like... So, it's like egregious because... <laughs> Yes, and it's such, and it drags out for so like the fact that, that there's like it's not like there's a one you can just like say if you stop watching from seven minute to ten minute you're you're missing all the racist parts. No, it's like sprinkled throughout. Like even in the song itself, the the Native Americans in the story are calling calling themselves Indians and Redmen, and I'm like that would never happen in an actual. It's so it's just. And then the mm. hints to colonization about the lost boys being like, well, we got to go capture them. Capture them? <laughs> what? This not this colonization genocide tie-ins. <laughs> What's going on here? Like, and they yeah. try to like to water it down, saying it's a game. Oh, it's 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 not a game. Like, <laughs> what do you? What's the message? The message that oh, these lost boys are the harmless ones, but. It's like, no, they're perpetuate. It's, ah, I don't have the language to describe how right, problematic yeah. it is. I'm sure there's a better pieces out there. And if anyone has any recommendations of pieces that we should read about this, please send it to us. Um, but, like, it took me, also took me on the second watch to realize that the aboriginals and the Native Americans are two different peoples. So there's a whole other population of dark-skinned aboriginals who wear loincloths and spears in Peter Pan, in Neverland. Ugh. That's I... also I I told you how I skimmed through the second film, right? Tell me why. You know what made me skim through the second film is that I was watching a video about how um about something about like a hundred facts on Peter Pan, and they showed this scene where Peter and Wendy meet when Wendy is grown, and Wendy like he Peter Pan looks at her, he's like, "Wendy, is that you?" And she's like, "Oh, hi, Peter." And she tucks a piece of hair behind her ear, and I was like. Pardon. Huh? Pause. Pause, right? I was like, what? What? And so I looked at the film and it's exactly like that. It's Peter comes to the window. He's like, Wendy, is that you? She's like, hi, Peter. And she tucks a piece of hair behind her ear. And I was just like, why was why was that them meeting again? Because he's still a kid. I don't care how old he is. He's still in the body of a child. And I was just like, they, they. I mean, she's married and she's got kids, and that's who Peter takes to Neverland, Wendy's kids. Um, but I was just like, what in good God heavens was that? Like, why was that their reintroduction to each other? It was very weird. But um, yeah. I mean, if you want to go into the quote unquote positives of the story, it like talks a lot about you know childhood and what growing up actually means and how the father who you know how they have the character who plays the father both be the villain and the villain um in neverland and out of neverland and how um you know you know adults kind of don't let kids use their imagination i can go into all of that but the racism and the anti-women of it all overshadows that <laughs> it just like yeah. 
And also it, what's super weird to me, I don't mean to interrupt, but it's like you're good. how Tinkerbell became the mascot of so much Disney stuff when her character is Oh not my even, god! I was like, thinking about that earlier. She's not nice at all in this movie. She's like, a I don't bitch! She's like, like, <laughs> now I was like, maybe it's just because she's pretty? I don't know. Right. Like, like, I don't know. It didn't make any sense though. Because like Jiminy Cricket is like, that makes sense. He's the spiritual guy to Pinocchio or whatever. He's like, it's he's a nice overall kid-friendly character. Ain't no redeeming qual. Tinkerbell was ready to murder, and she was What's happening? I, 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 I don't get the math. Why they? Who in the seventies and eighties and nineties was like, yes, we're picking you? Yeah, I'm so glad. Um, I'm so glad. Um, who I was about to call him Robert Pattinson. That is not the reason. <laughs> <laughs> I was, about to, I was definitely about to call Robin Williams Robert Pattinson. That's not his name. I'm so glad Robin Williams gave us Hook because Hook is great. Right. Hook is great. We got motherfucking Rufio. Like Hook was. It's. I feel like it's just like a such a better depiction of Peter Pan. Disney did awful for them to have had this movie for so long, and this was the product that they came out with. Like I don't. <laughs> it's. it's honestly we've done a few 50s disney movies now y'all and honestly the regression is real the regression is tangible yeah i don't know what happened between snow white and now but like (laughs) and i think it's crazy because i think a lot of these films were getting all made at the same time so like i think it's because um i think it was alice and peter and another movie were all kind of getting made around the same time but even then, Alice in Wonderland didn't have blatant racism in it. Right. Like, and then this one, it's like, I... Oh, did we skip Cinderella? No, we did Cinderella. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did Cinderella. Okay, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. My great mother But to me, so far, Cinderella takes the cake. Best movie out of all these. I... Because, like, what's really disappointing about this is, like, I know that... Did y'all hear they're making, a, of course, a live-action remake... Yeah, of Snow White. Oh no, of Peter Pan, and it's coming out next. Oh, they're making the Snow White one too. Yeah, they did. (laughs) Yeah, because I saw uh, Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones was like, yes, calling them out about the dwarves. Yes, Mm, he did. What he said? What he said? He, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was calling them out, and to the point where Disney has said they're going to change the dwarves into magical creatures instead of uh, what they were in the movie. No, no, I literally really have this tweet on my page. Let me read it. Peter Dinklage calls out Disney Snow White remake saying, you're progressive in one way and you're still making the fucking backwards story about seven dwarves living in a cave together. Have I done nothing to advance the calls from my soapbox? Period. Point Blake. Stand Peter Dinklage. Because right. it's we don't need the seven dwarves. Even then, they could just be men. Or they could... I don't know. It was... Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's good. I mean, I hope that they make the change for Peter Pan. Y'all, guess who's guess who they I think, guess who I think they cast it as, as Wendy. do they have casting? Yes, guess oh. who? Just just take a guess, Ariana Grande. No, <laughs> <laughs> Yara Shahidi. No way, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, here we go. <laughs> Somebody sent a picture to me of that actor. Oh my god, for Tinkerbell, she's playing Tinkerbell? You know, oh, I thought she was Wendy. No, she's playing Tinkerbell. Okay, that's better. Who's Wendy Wendy, then? Let me look at the. 
I'm looking at the IMDb right yeah. now. Do you know Blackish or Grownish? Yes. Yara Shahidi is the main girl from Grownish. Oh, okay, here's Wendy. Okay. And then Peter is playing by Alexander Malani. Oh. I'm... He's a child of color. Really? I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, um, wow. Um, <sighs> see, are they going to pull a Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella? But can you with this with this source this, material? With this story? <laughs> this source material. Story. They're going to take out like, a lot of stuff. Literally. Who's just, writing have it? To. Who's who's in charge of the writing? Jude Law is playing Captain Hook. Jude Law? What? <laughs> Jude Law is too far to be playing Captain Hook. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, who are you trying to have me root for? Like, <laughs> can't play Captain Hook. Oh, there's maybe a black can... there's a black pair of twins who I think are playing Lost Kids. Maybe this just says twin one two. There's actually a lot of kids of color in this. See, they're trying to make up for all the racism <laughs> are they gonna do wait i have a, i have a big question are they have they casted are they gonna do the native american storyline i don't they, think so no way oh they're gonna have to take it out completely there's no way they're gonna do that yeah. absolutely right. not oh tiger lily is still here though. whoa wait what? tiger lily is still here there's somebody what? named tiger lily who's played by a native american maybe she's just like part of the lost boys i don't know but oh god okay ah. so here's her here's tiger lily <laughs> I don't see Long anybody woman? playing. Why? I thought she was supposed to be the same age as everybody else. Right? I don't. I don't. I don't know. That's why I, I said they're know. probably going to change the entire story around completely. Oh wait, there's okay. Birdie, Toothless. Those are the names of Lost Boys, right? Bellwether. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh god. I, I, I don't is- see who's writing this on IMDb. This is pissing me off i want to see who's writing this i'm this is concerning because i really feel like this storyline unless you're going to give us because what's weird is that peter pan is not owned by disney disney just kind of because that's why we had hook that's why we had that 2000s remake that wasn't disney right so why is it that they have made better it's like i don't get why i don't get how i mean i know this was the 50s but like it's like the disney one was like the most problematic ever and of course i know hook came out in the 90s when it's a different time i know that but it's like i can't i don't remember hook nor the 2000s remake being this me bad. either that's what i'm saying like when i think of the the live actions i'm like oh peter pan is great but then watching this movie i'm like this there's no way these two movies came from this one <laughs> right. there's no way right and like then, the source material in itself being questionably written by a pedophile, and then Disney going on to then add in the shake of race. Was racism in the original one? Um, like yeah, because me. they talk. Um, what they say is the indigenous tribes that he used in the original. He was just had random. You could see connections from different indigenous tribes put into one. Like he was just putting them. There was you couldn't really pinpoint who he was getting his inspiration from. Mm. Wow. That's okay, just... so it's written and directed by David Laurie. Mm-hmm. And David Laurie has written and directed The Green Knight. Oh, I still need to watch that. I heard it was good, though. Pete's Dragon. Oh, yeah, Pete's Dragon. 2016. I, don't, I guess we can have faith in him. I don't... Mm. Are y'all gonna watch this live-action 
I haven't really watched any of the Disney live actions, to be honest. After Jungle, Jungle Book was the only one that I watched. Yeah, I watched it at theaters with my family, and I don't... Because they just copying and pasting the original story, so you're yeah. just like, do I really want to? Do I really want to? I haven't seen, and I don't have any connection. I've seen all of them except for Dumbo, um, which I don't ever plan to go watch the live action one, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah, they turned it into a white scene. savior film for Dumbo. Yeah. Oh wow, like this. This is ah, it's this whole source material is very complicated. Like I'm yeah. starting to like feel things like feel really like discon. Like I don't know how my young child brain romanticized the idea of Peter Pan. I guess it was because I watched Hook as a kid, and but now I'm just like, mm, is this movie even should this should children even be exposed? To me, children shouldn't even watch this movie, in my humble opinion. Like, throw it in the trash. <laughs> throw it in the trash. Um, I don't know. What do y'all think? Do y'all think young kids should still be watching Peter Pan in 2022? Absolutely not. not. this version. No. <laughs> not that version. Not this version. Yeah. 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 There's live <laughs> action ones. You can watch that. But this, yeah. there's no reason to watch this one. Yeah. There's actually a video that IMDb put it out called... Why Wendy is a live action Peter Pan we actually want. I'll have to watch that. I'll tweet about my thoughts once we put this episode after I watch it. But I don't know. I don't. Peter Pan is definitely not a movie that I would show my kids. Um, the music is forgettable at best. Um, it serves no huge impact besides like Tinkerbell somehow having a giant impact. Like the, 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 the <laughs> in retrospect, I don't get it. We could have picked, like, ah, I wish we could, like, switch her out for somebody else, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I give Peter Pan a two. Not even a two. Uh, uh, I can't give you... What is the Tyra Banks sound? I can't <laughs> give you a zero. zero. So I give you a one. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, there's nothing redeemable in this movie to me. It's anti-women. It's woefully in your face racist um there's no like even what were kids supposed to watch this movie and and that's the thing we always talk about was this a movie made for kids no i think the theme of the movie is just like adults indulging in from the live action movies the theme of the movie is to not grow up too fast right from the live action i don't know about this one but the live action one at least that was the theme like don't try to grow up too fast yeah, there's no theme in the original. It's like woefully based on the point of view of a narcissist child who could potentially be a kidnapper. Um, so yeah, I give it a one. What about you, Marin? Um, I'll give it a two because Huck's character is entertaining. I did enjoy <laughs> seeing him terrified of the crocodile, and that's it. Okay, what about you, Corey? I'm not gonna read it. Just watch the live actions. <laughs> like literally, don't watch the movie. Yeah, don't even do that. Um, and then what about you, Nia? I'm gonna give it a one. If I could give it a zero, I could. <laughs> I would. Um, but one, like I'll give it a point five because that's that's yeah. less than one and more than zero. So point five. Yeah, it's it's gotten the 
you can skip this stamp of approval from commented. Mm, it is yeah. probably the worst. I thought Snow White was going to be the worst movie we watched. <laughs> <laughs> At least Snow White didn't make me cringe in my seat. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Queen. I'm sorry we were so mean to you. <laughs> there are worse right. things. <laughs> there are worse things. Um, so, yeah. Um, our next our next one is going to be Lady and the Tramp, I think. Is it Sleeping Beauty or Lady and the Tramp? I can't remember. Um, Sleeping Beauty is 59. Lady and the Tramp is 55. Oh, wow. So oh, we're wow. That was 55? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Also, for the animation of Peter Pan alone to be oh. this, well, I don't know if they rendered it again, but it doesn't look like I'm watching a 1953s movie, if that makes sense. It does. It makes sense. It it looks not like they. You can tell they did a good job animating it. Yeah. If, okay. If I'm gonna give it one positive, the pacing is much faster. Like we're not sitting around dragging <laughs> as much. Right. Okay. But um, stay tuned because we have more great and fun episodes coming up as we continue 2022. Make sure you give us a rating here on Spotify, please, and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to come talk to us on Commented on Twitter and Commented Podcast on TikTok. Um, until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.